and welcome back to Pace of Mind. So Joe is away on holiday this week. So Kaz and I are delighted to be joined by our fellow Pacer, Abby, who's Hello. one of our senior client managers here at Pace. Hi ladies, how are you both today? You're good, thank Very you. Good, yeah. Happy to have Abby on board this week. So Abby, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I joined Pace about two, two, three months ago now, I think. Um, but it's actually my second time around at Pace. Uh, so I left four years ago uh, to have babies and set up my own business. And yeah, I just I came into Anita to talk about um, mentoring me for my business. And then I came out pretty much with a job. <laughs> <laughs> so, and said, oh, yes, please. I seduced you back. Yeah. And how has it been for you two and a half months in? Like, I can't believe I had four years off on maternity really? like yeah this is like this is where I belong in, in an office working with creative people yeah I'm so delighted that I'm back it makes sense that you were here before because you, you fit in like instantly yeah. although it is totally different like we've evolved as an agency so much yeah that the only two people are the same are Anita and Becky <laughs> and all of our clients are different and just feels like more ambitious and bigger yeah. and yeah, it's a really good environment. Well, it's good to have you back. Yes, and thanks yeah. for doing this with us today. Exciting. And listeners, regular listeners might notice that Kaz has a very husky voice. <laughs> thanks for highlighting Do that. Do you want to talk either. about why you've got a husky voice? <laughs> I was just out having a good time at the weekend. <laughs> and it's now, what day we're recording this? Wednesday. And you're still recovering. I really enjoyed myself at the weekend. <laughs> Anyway, this month we're going to talk about all things recycling because it's Recycling Week and we're going to be joined a bit later by Toby McCartney, who's the Chief Executive and Co-Founder of MacReba. Now, MacReba is a fascinating company that's developed an innovative process that diverts waste plastic away from landfill and it's used in bitumen that's um, used in the construction of roads. So in true circular economy, it's a fantastic company. I mean, what's not to love about MacReba? So, ladies, Abby, you you have an electric car, don't you? I do. I'm a bit of an eco-warrior. <laughs> we need them. So um, when did you get it? Um, only about two months ago. I actually got it because I live the other side of the bridge and I knew I was going to be doing a lot more miles and I just didn't want to have that impact on the environment. And we were due for a new car anyway, so I just thought, well, why why not just make the leap and go for electric oh. rather than a diesel or a petrol? And I absolutely love it. Honestly love it. Like they, they just go, they're like go cars. <laughs> they're just ready to go. They're such good cars. But they're like driving a computer, aren't they? It's not like driving a car. You drive like, my sister was looking at getting one. She's got one on order that's due to come. And I sat in it when she went to look and it is like just a computer yeah. screen. And yeah, there is that. I have a Volkswagen ID3, which I think is like their version of a Golf. Right, okay. Um, so it's that kind of size. But there's so much space in it because yeah. literally yeah. all there is is screen. Yeah. Like you just, you don't have any of the other gumph that yeah. comes in a normal car. So yeah. it's, yeah, they are really spacious and they're just... They're just next level. They're really good. <laughs> Do you find that people, because there's that where I walk the dog, they like creep upon you, these electric cars, because you can't hear them. Uh, I feel like you, if you drive an electric car, you must suddenly have to be very aware that people can't actually yeah. hear that you're there. Yeah. yeah. I've got um, a hybrid and it's electric and petrol. And I notice the difference when it switches from the electric to the petrol. Not only the smoothness of the drive, so it's much smoother when I'm electric. And it feels like a much nicer drive. And then really? if you just switch to petrol, it, it sounds angry, if that makes sense. 
and it louder. So if you're like, if you've got your foot on the gas and suddenly it switches to electric, what happens? You just take your foot off the gas. Why would I want to take my foot off the gas? <laughs> oh yeah, so that's, that's, <laughs> I'm driving along. Is it seamless? Then I was so, thinking you don't need the gas, but I suppose that charges the electric. So the way hybrids work. That was very <laughs> yeah, that was a really stupid <laughs> question. Can we get rid of that yeah. question? <laughs> Am I right in thinking the way hybrids work is that they're electric up to a certain mile per hour and then right, it kicks the, in. The, 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 yeah. yeah. And you have two dials on your dashboard so you can see how much fuel you've got in the car oh, and you can right. see how much your battery's charged. Right. And I can get to and from home purely on electric. Oh, wow. Can you? Yeah. Oh, so yours isn't like a mile per hour thing? No, I can. I, well, I, I mean, I don't get up to high speeds coming from Ferriby yeah. to Hull every day in the traffic, but. Yeah, so I, if I charge it overnight, I, I know I can get to and from work. How does it decide whether it chooses electric or gas then? Petrol or fuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's no yeah. gas. <laughs> into American mode. Yeah. Um, I assume it, there is a speed uh, dimension speed to it, but like I say, unless you're going fat, which yeah. I don't do in the morning because I don't get the opportunity. But equally, if you're running out of if you've run out of electric power it, switches it immediately switches wow, which so takes fun. away my problem with the electric going fully electric was that yeah, fear yeah of running out of charge yeah. not, not being anywhere near a charging like happy to do the week did you oh my goodness so when we got the electric car i got a car parking space in a car park which had supposedly electric car parking point uh, charging points um, but they were offline, they weren't working. Um, so I was then having to like charge my car up in like the little car park <laughs> the other side of the bridge. And I got stuck in really terrible traffic on the A63 and then tried to char charge my car up at a service point. That wasn't working. And then luckily did get to Lidl to charge my car. And then the charging point was take like it was busy, like there was a car in the charging point. So it took me three hours to get home. Yeah, but now luckily I have... So we're in rented accommodation, we're getting a house built. So I don't want to install electric charging points at home, yeah. but you can get these three point pins, which essentially like, so I plug my car in inside the house and charge it as if I would charge my phone. Yeah. And it just, it baffled, <laughs> like, I just think it's next level amazing. It is brilliant. Have you had the electric bill through yet? No, but it's only like running your dishwasher. Oh, is it? I think yeah. like my sister's getting one because she drives to Moulton every day. So for her, it worked out cheaper to drive that distance on electric yeah. than it did to, like, the cost of the car and the cost of the electricity and everything. When she did her calculations, if you do enough miles, I don't probably not just if you do miles, but for her, it worked out better. Yeah. Uh, and I would have one, but we don't have a driveway. So yeah. I can't, I yeah. can't have a tripwire going across the pavement. And I think that's the thing with, like, people not taking up these green technologies is because it's very difficult to fully educate yeah. yourself on it to decide if it's worth the outlay because yeah. they do cost more money yeah and then there's also the oh well will i it's, it's that there's like some kind of technical calculations to figure out if it is actually worth uh, the spend right. and i think some people just avoid it then yeah. and don't make that yeah. change yeah. to electrical greener yeah. technologies it'll because change though they're worried you know that, that they feel like it's not informed, yeah. so they just stick with the norm. Yeah, but look, six months ago, we would have all have had petrol or diesel cars, and now you two have got yeah. some form of electric, and I want yeah. one, so it shows yeah. that it is moving in that direction. Yeah. And the more you see it, and the more you learn, especially like if it's a nicer, smoother mover. Oh, like for sure, yeah. Good. I'd much prefer the electric mode yeah. to the yeah. petrol mode. Yeah. You can tell the difference. It's good, that, isn't it? Yeah, really? and 
we've got a we've got a mocky diesel suv as well that my husband drives and we just got the car tax through for that over 500 pounds oh, wow. no car tax yeah. electric cars yeah. it's brilliant yeah and you can say that you're an eco warrior because yeah. you've got an electric car which is great yeah. you're a bit of an eco warrior though yeah, yeah what do I you do i am very passionate about um the environment but uh, I mean, I drive a diesel car, I go on holidays, um, you know, I do, I do like the idea of saving the environment, but I wouldn't say I was an eco warrior. You know, I'm not, I don't want to stop going on holiday because I want to save the environment, but I do like try and support. There's like a few things that I like, obviously Macariba being a massive one, like that's an absolute, like amazing idea. You know, they're getting improvement all over the place and, you know, they're doing fantastic things and I really, really support things like that. Um, and then there's another person that um, basically uses plastic as money. We'll talk about it a bit later, maybe. But um, I try to support campaigns and share campaigns and kind of like support through like signing up to things. Um, obviously, like general recycling and stuff like that's a big part of like daily life and doing everything I can to make sure we recycle and don't reuse virgin plastic as much as possible and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's, I think everybody has to be, don't they know? Have you made the move to bamboo toothbrushes yet? No. Have we you? just did. What yeah. do you think? Yeah. So we've I've only got one for me and Simon, but Annie, who's my four-year-old, she'd never seen a bamboo oh, toothbrush yeah. before. She says, what's this, mummy, when we were brushing our teeth? I said, well, this is a toothbrush that's made out of bamboo. Why is it made out of bamboo? And I said, oh, because it saves the world. Um, you have to talk in, like, very yeah. generalist terms yeah. to a four-year-old. So every time she brushes her teeth, she has to use the toothbrush that saves <laughs> oh, the world now. But how great that she's going to go yeah. around thinking about, like, saving yeah. the world. Yeah. That, those are the sort of messages. I feel guilty now. I'm going to have to get bamboo <laughs> toothbrushes for the kids. One doesn't. But yeah. then what... In- angers me is that the bamboo toothbrushes are one more expensive than the plastic ones two very often out of stock on the supermarket shelves and three are still packaged in non-recyclable plastic yeah, yeah. that's bad see packaging is my bugbear the supermarket when you get fruit and stuff all that no. plastic yeah well i specifically like buy individual stuff and put it in the brown bag or just put it in my own bag in yeah. the trolley so i don't buy like apples or bananas mm. even if i want them and that's all i've got i'll go well i'd rather not have them than buy those i do try and make those sorts of decisions but um, we've all got kids and christmas is not that far away oh, oh, that's the worst. Get toys and yeah. all that packaging yeah. for some little thing yeah. in the middle i bought bath bombs for emmy for a birthday and they were supposed to be like um environmentally friendly bath bombs and it was like said on the brown box you know like we don't have hands packaging because blah blah but then the box was wrapped in plastic the brown we don't do um plastic box was wrapped in plastic and then the bath bombs inside were wrapped in plastic so i was like well you haven't really delivered on your promise there have you no i think there's a lot of companies actually that kind of give it a lip service to some degree and then when you actually use their product or service or you dig deeper Mm -hmm. they're not as authentic as you think they're yeah Oh, the lovely greenwashing that really angers me in marketing. Oh, (laughs) you've got examples. (laughs) Sorry, I'll put you on the spot there. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's plenty of examples. Don't get me wrong. I do love it when a company is very proud of a green element that they are Mm. doing. But sometimes they talk about it in such a small, narrow perspective. Yeah. Or they'll talk about how the benefits of their product in use, which is brilliant, mm. but completely avoid the fact that it's manufactured mm. using, yeah. you know, fossil fuels or something like that. Yeah. And sometimes when you don't get the full story, I think that one can feel like... Mm they're not being spoken to transparently and two feel like they just don't want to make the change anyway because it might be an ill-informed change yeah I mean ultimately like we have the power don't we like as consumers we have to vote every time you buy something you're supporting it so you know 
if we stop buying things and there is definitely a fear there that you listen to something and you think you're making the right decision and there is you have to do that bit of digging to work out whether or not it is but we ultimately have the power over these businesses to make the right decisions because if more and more customers start buying those products then that will become cheaper and it will so you have, do have to I vote with your you have to vote with your money you, yeah you do when you don't because i think we were talking about it in a brainstorm i think you came you t- you said actually that sustainability is a middle class issue yeah it costs much more to be greener and sustainable. And sometimes it's just not a purchasing option for some people, Mm. even though they would love to make more sensible choices for the climate and the environment. It's just not an option for them. So sometimes you can't vote with your feet. I think if we're going to address climate change, we need to be creative and encourage innovation, don't we? Yes. Which is a brilliant segue into our guest. So we're delighted to be joined by Toby McCartney. So Toby is the chief executive and a co-founder of McReva. It's good to see you, Toby. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Toby. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Do you want to just uh, explain a little bit about McReva, what it is you guys do up there in Scotland? Sure. Well, a lot of it we make up as we go along, but um, I'll, I'll give you what I'm supposed to say. So essentially, we take waste plastics away from landfill or certainly destined for landfill or for incineration the plastics that cause the problem that end up in our our, our rivers our oceans um, and they they pollute our environment and we use them to replace part of the black oil that goes into a road mix or an asphalt mix and so by using up those waste plastics we essentially enhance the road so we reduce the pothole problem that we all live through today Um, as well as we reduce things like carbon emissions and and use up those waste plastics that, as I say, are a a real problem on Earth today. It's genius. It's just absolute genius. You know, it's people say that to me and I'm almost now embarrassed to say what it is because, you know, it's not it's really not genius. It's the most simple thing that you could probably think of with regards to construction and engineering. Um, It's just by chance that um, our want and our mission is to use up or to help to be a, a part of ending the plastic epidemic. It's just a, a sort of fluke that the products that we produce help to enhance the roads that we drive on. But what I find fascinating is how does an idea like that, which completely makes sense, become reality? It's, you know, for the first three years of, of being in this, in this business, my colleagues and I, we would say, surely someone's thought of this before now, and they've just they've just not they've just not told us. And you know, we're going to get a certain way down the line, and no one, but you know, no one and was able to think about this. Um, you know, for you know, the, the truth is that plastics have been used in roads for for many years, so that's not that's not the new element. Um, what we're doing is rather than producing new plastic to add to bitumen to put into a road or an asphalt mix, we use the stuff that, that everybody else throws away. So um, I always remember my grandmother telling me one time, she said, you know, there's money in old muck. Yeah. yeah. Um, when the rag and bone man used to come to our door and it was, it was, that always was in my mind, you know, this rag and bone man, as he it, as it was called, used to take away our old rubbish and somehow make money out of it down the end of the line. And, and I guess that, that stuck with me and that's what we now do. So obviously it's, really successful are you guys still the only one that do this in the world have you gone down the patent route or are you like the elon musk of plastic roads (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, no, we, we have gone down the patent route. So we have a number of patents and patents pending all over the world. Um, but we are now the creators of Waste Plastic Roads. But we're now starting to see some competition around the world. So um, I know that Dow Chemicals, uh, one of the major chemicals corporations, actually produce plastic, but they are looking at waste plastics in roads. Even Shell uh, are now promoting something they call waste plastics in roads. Um, they, they do it in a slightly different way, but the way that we see it is if these major corporations, groups like Shell, are now on the same wagon that we've been on, you know, copying what we're doing, then we're doing something right. What are those roads that charge power? Can the McReba product actually work with that technology as well? Yeah, kinetic energy. Yeah, well, the McReba product is, is basically an additive that we add into bitumen and asphalt. So those roads that you're talking about, they're kinetic energy roads. They have them in places like Australia, where they have large truck trains, massive big wagons driving over the road. And, and that causes a lot of vibration. And that vibration, if, if you put water underneath the road, the water vibrates and is squashed out of, of tubes that essentially creates an energy. And you can use it to power lights and all sorts of different things like that. Wow. The ideal then <laughs> is an electric vehicle driving on yes. a Greba road, which yeah. creates kinetic energy. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, we've looked at the, the roads over in, in Oz. Um, we've had a lot of trials and a lot of testing done over there. I and mean, we work with a professor that's, that's looked at those and even runways, you know, airport runways and things like that. If you imagine as a plane comes down and it lands on the on the runway, there's a lot of force between the plane and the and the surface. So if you can harness that energy, you can use it in other places. But yeah, I mean, when you when you think about just a normal road, you think about, I mean, our mission is to help end the plastic epidemic, but you think of all the things that go into a road from the road surface itself to what goes underneath the road, to the curbstones, the signs, the barriers, they could all be made from waste plastics. And really, you know, to have a real impact and to help end or be a bigger part of ending the plastic epidemic, we need to not just provide the surfaces of the roads, but to, to look at every aspect of, of travel and transport. Are you finding the uptake for this product quite sort of a smooth and easy sell to people? <laughs> no, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> if it was a smooth and easy ride we'd all be driving on waste plastic roads it feels like it's an absolute no-brainer yeah. you know we're victims of our own success really that the, the idea is so simple and so missed that when we take it to engineers that have been you know in the roads business doing the same thing for you know 50 years they, they sometimes don't like the fact that perhaps they've missed using waste plastics on roads and um you know i, I think for a lot of government or a lot of uh, officials if you like doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same results is easier than than disrupting for good and, and innovating in the way that plastics you know do in roads we were talking about this exact thing earlier about why people don't why the behavior changes aren't there for more sustainable and greener options that is it's exactly the reason why because it's so much easier so so many people want an easy life huh? What do you think government should be doing to help then, Toby? Well, I think, you know, it, the governments all over the world work in different ways. In the UK, we are restricted, or our governments are restricted. When, whenever you make a road, you've, you've got to dig out. I mean, 95% of a road is 
is aggregate is stone so that's quarries you know the the groups the large asphalt manufacturers they dig out stone from the ground but we because we don't have any of our own oil our, our own bitumen anyway we have to import it all so we go to companies like total and ninas and shell it comes from venezuela and other parts of the world um so it's you know w- when we import that that stuff we're the people that sell it or the groups or the companies that sell it have a lot of command over how it should be because it's their product. And really what we're doing is we're, we're interrupting or interfering with their product to, to do, you know, to change it in some way. So it's a bit like a, a, a water factory or a water um, seller selling water. If somebody comes and puts some dilute orange juice into it, it changes it from being water into dilute orange juice. And the water companies won't necessarily be that happy, even though the orange juice at the end of it is really nice and, and people would like to drink it. It's not what they're selling. So that's what we're up against, really. But it's going well, isn't it? Because you're expanding internationally. You've had a lot of interest overseas in the product. Yeah, we've got more work abroad now than, than we have in the UK. In fact, we've got our, our roads down in places like Bahrain and Azerbaijan before we did in Dumfries and Galloway, the very council that we pay our council tax to but that's another story um so yeah we we work very well in in very hot countries and very cold countries when we add plastics into roads we can make the road stretchier if you like um and in cold countries that's really good you you we get a lot of rainfall sometimes that rainfall is stored in little air pockets in the asphalt and as it freezes overnight it expands as water does and it forms cracks in the roads Whereas, so in cold countries, if you add polymers into it, you make it a bit stretchier. So the water can freeze still, but it expands and then bounces back into shape like a like if you squash a water bottle. Whereas in hot countries, the, the bitumen, I mean, even, even in Hull or, or in, in places further south than where I am in, in Scotland, you, you get the hot days and the, the bitumen will start to melt. Um, at about 60 degrees so sometimes if you're walking on a road you'll get bitumen stuck to the bottom of your shoe on a hot day well if you drive vehicles over that hot bitumen it's melting and you form a rut in the road I don't know if you've driven in the states but sometimes you can get caught in the in almost like the tracks that the 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 melted bitumen forms whereas when you add polymers into there you know if you stick a, a water bottle out overnight or you know during the day at at 60 degrees or 80 degrees it's not going to melt it just jumps back into shape so we use the beauty of plastics to enhance the the roughness of a road so you're not only taking plastics out of the environment you're also improving the product as well (laughs) tick those boxes i'm almost angry for you that not every single road is a plastic road (laughs) and as we go into winter the potholes, especially around here, are a nightmare. It's always on the local news every winter about the state of the local roads around here. And yet, my understanding is your product helps reduce the number of potholes and is cheaper. It is cheaper as well, yeah. We, we take a waste plastic that has no value and we, we sell it against a, a bitumen that has high value. So it's, um, you know, that's the, the black oil. It costs, it costs a lot of money. It's about 350 to 400 pounds a ton of, of bitumen. And we sell our products for, for nearly half price. So it's, uh, it's a massive cost saving as well. Why aren't local authorities knocking on your door? That's just, this is the thing I just do not understand. You're asking the wrong man, because I'm certainly knocking on their door. <laughs> it's just a, 
They're not answering. <laughs> well, you're going to get the opportunity to um, ask Boris, aren't you? Yes, that's right. Tell us about COP26. Yeah, COP26 is exciting for us. You know, it's um, I was lucky enough to be chosen as an ambassador. So that's um, that's been a, a personal you know, goal that I, I've managed to meet. But it, it also gives me the opportunity to, you know, my, my thing about COP26 is often with these kind of conferences and these ideas is it's a lot of politicians in a room talking about more ways to help the world but there is very little action from it so I hope what I bring to the table is let's stop talking about this stuff we're we're talking about 2050 for to be carbon neutral um let's not talk about 2050 let's actually take some action from these meetings that we've got coming up with cop and and actually do something that makes a difference rather than just talk about more stuff that will probably not make a difference if we just keep talking about it so yeah i hope to speak to boris to say listen let's just you know, stop, what, how does he say it? Let's stop dithering and let's actually take some action and do something rather than just talking about this stuff. Could you ask him a question from me? <laughs> yeah, oh, it depends. Could you ask him why the government can't respond to climate change as quickly as it did to the pandemic? Yeah, I t- I, I'm with you. I just can't understand it. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think it's a little bit like, you know, people's health sometimes. It's, um, we don't focus on our health until something goes wrong. And then suddenly we're all evangelical about it and we're, we're eating the right foods. But it's only when that something goes wrong, either for ourselves or, or someone that we know. And I think that's a little bit the same with, with our government. It's, you know, it, it's going to take a massive catastrophe or something before people actually say, oh, you, you might have a point that there is there is a a climate challenge here that we really do need to do something about and we need to do it now. You know, I think it's because there's too much money in all the industry that would be severely impacted if, if the government was to rule, you know, brought in some policies that were very green, let's say. Yeah, well, I, 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 think, I think there needs to be stricter regulations around, certainly from a waste plastic perspective, you know, I, but the thing is, it, it's, it's all down the line. It isn't just our governments that need to make policies. It's people need to be clued up with with what it is that we're all doing as well. You know, if we if we buy a water bottle and we drink the water, as long as we don't have to carry that water bottle around, we don't really care. Or for many people, they don't really care. So it's when they when they chuck it away, they don't know what happens to it. And I think if we could educate everybody on what actually happens to that water bottle, um, at the moment, not a lot happens to it other than it sits in a hole or it's burnt. Um, you know, and, and that's that's really not good for the environment. But actually, if we were to educate, I know my kids, you know, when I talk about what actually happens with recycling, they're really interested and they they're conscientious about what they do with with plastics from here on. So I just think more people need to know what is actually happening and what could happen if they just take some simple steps, some simple differences, really. I think children, I think schools are covering it quite well in their um, in their curriculum because kids, I think, are more educated about it than our generation. It's we need our kids to run our businesses. You know, this idea of carbon emissions, unfortunately, because there is a lot of money involved in reducing carbon emissions, there's a lot of claims that aren't necessarily true. And I, I think to have a real difference, we need to make we you know, we need to follow it all down the line and work out 
really, how are we going to reduce carbon emissions? One of the ways is to reuse waste plastics, but there are many, many ways. And if, if everyone were just able to make 1% difference in what they do, then we would really change the world. I mean, it is, it is kind of that simple. And I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't understand why that can't happen today. We've got the technology, we've got the innovation, the companies that, that the governments could be working with, um, but aren't currently, uh, will make a difference if the governments would just open up their policies and be a bit more innovative than keep doing the same old stuff. If we always do what we've always done, we're always going to get what we've always got. And that's the situation we're in. I think it's so important as well to tell people that it's okay to make a small change. It's okay to make a tiny step towards a greener life. Because I think some people think, oh, well, you know, we were talking earlier about electric cars and versus diesel cars. Well, I can't claim to be an eco-warrior because I drive a diesel car. That kind of mentality. Well, no, if you Electric you don't, car. yeah, no, as in Kaz yeah. was saying, she can't claim to be an eco-warrior uh, because, because she drives, she drives yeah, an electric, yeah. a diesel car. Yeah. Um, so you almost feel like your credentials aren't there. But yeah, it's not about a complete lifestyle overhaul. It's about those small steps towards the bigger goal. I don't buy from my bananas in bags. But, well, there you go. So you are an eco-warrior. <laughs> Every little helps. Yeah, well, it's, it's like when, when people go on a diet and they, you know, they're three or four days in and then they, they have a Mars bar or they have a chocolate bar. It's not the end of the diet. It just means, you know, I, I believe that there's no failure, only feedback. And we learn from the feedback that we get. So if we drive a diesel car and we know it's, you know, we could be driving an electric car. Well, it's not a failure of, of everything else that we're doing to try and save the world. It's just... You know, it's progress it's feedback and you know we take the feedback and we move on and that's that's how we progress isn't it but i think for many people they've had that mars bar and that's it they're never you know the diet's off and they'll just keep eating mars bars for forever <laughs> i think i've learned about this toby i think you like your food metaphors with your mars bars and uh, your diluted orange juice <laughs> i don't know where that came from it's late in the day i'm very hungry <laughs> so do you have an eco hero or who, which company do you admire in the sustainability space who do you think's got, got it right other than mcreba of course um I, you know there's there's many uh, we work with a company called Steelfelt, um who are based in rotherham not far from from you guys they are um using so most of the asphalt manufacturers are quarries as i was saying they they dig out stone from the ground, which isn't great for our environment, of course. Whereas steel felt go to old steel mines and they use, use the old steel slag. So that's the, the stone that came out of the mines that have already been dug. And they use that to, to create a 95% recycled asphalt product at the end of it. Um, so, I, you know, I think that's the way to go. Why would we produce anything new or, or dig out more stone from the ground when actually there is enough stone if we go and look for stone that's already been dug up, that's sitting in massive piles? It just takes that little bit of innovation. I was working with a guy, his name is Arthur, and he, so when you go and get a, a coffee from a coffee house, uh, brands, brands I won't name, um, but, you know, the coffee that they, after making your coffee, they chuck that coffee away and most of it just goes to landfill, it's chucked away. He's worked out how to take those coffee beans, those crumbled coffee beans, and turn them into a fuel that can then be used to power jets and all sorts of different things. You know, I mean, this is great, isn't it? It's innovative. It's, um, you know, for, from those kind of businesses to, you know, I remember when I was in India and I was working with these, these kids 
um, that were they were going to landfill sites and picking out various different things. And some of the things that they were taking were um, uh, Ribena cartons and, and like juice cartons. I'm back on the food metaphor again. But they they were sewing them together and forming like wallets and purses. Oh my God. And so I got them to sew me a jacket. I've got a, a jacket made from Ribena cartons. And you know what? It's awesome because it'll, it'll last far longer than my cloth stuff that I get from Primark. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm trying to visualize that. I should go and get it for you. I have a pair of shorts that are made from recycled plastic. Do you? Yeah, those green ones that I wore, okay. they're made from recycled plastic. I think like the biggest issue is like the people who are still creating virgin plastic because we have enough plastic oh. on this earth. We don't need to make any more. <laughs> Let's recycle it, reuse it. Unfortunately, it all all comes down to it being cheaper to produce that new plastic than to recycle the old. Nothing is truly sustainable unless there is a balance between people, planet and profit. And you miss out on one of them and it's not a sustainable idea. Mm. So that I think is the barrier to a lot of these, I'm not even wild and crazy ideas, ideas that mm. seem to make sense stop making virgin plastic, but no, because that doesn't make mm. sense for the for the profit pay. I think any business of the future needs to look at both an environmental aspect of them, but also a social aspect and how we can combine the two with, a, you know, having that purpose and combine that with profit. So I think that the two, the two combined are really powerful human motivators for change. You've just got to think all the way down the line, I think. And it's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not just thinking I'm going to create an environmental business. It's the knock-on effect of what that will have and, and how you can, how do you live it rather than just have it as a business? Well, I feel wholly inadequate. Going <laughs> <laughs> so to go home now and figure out how I can contribute to the world. So thanks for that, Toby. It's been fascinating. Um, I think it's a good time to pause with pace. So Pause With Pace is our segment of the show where we share with you some recommendations. So our recommendations this month are around sustainability. So I'm going to sound like a broken record because I've mentioned this many, many times. Those of you who listened to this before will know that um, I don't eat meat. So my recommendation is for people to, if they can, eat less meat because not only is it good for the planet, but it's good for you too. Yes. <laughs> Um, mine, so I'm, I've changed mine because um, we were talking about it earlier in the pace cast, but uh, mine is to, when you go to the supermarket next time, make a conscious effort to make sure that you don't buy things that are wrapped in plastic if it's available, not wrapped in plastic. So tomatoes, bananas, apples, peppers, all these like things that the fruit and veg aisle that you can easily pick up in wrapped in plastic and they don't need to be. So make that conscious effort next time you go. And How do they compare price-wise? They are sometimes a little bit more expensive, but marginally, see, I don't understand. this is just yeah. so yeah. wrong. No. You're actually getting less because there's no packaging yeah. and they're charging you more. Yes. And you've got to get pick it up yourself. But the cost of a little bit more is worth it for that feel-good factor of I supported the non-plastic version. And then when that buyer is looking at his statistics and looking at his spreadsheet and he goes... Oh, there's a bit more demand for the non-plastic version here, right? Okay. And then he'll have a word with his boss and then uh, mm -hmm. filter up the tree. And then I'm hopefully one that. day. Yeah. <laughs> Abby, I think my recommendation would be just don't overthink it. I think people don't make behavior changes because they don't know if it's the right change or they think it's too insignificant a change or 
just don't overthink it and make that better greener more sustainable change good one toby i think mine would be to ask each other or ask ourselves the question of what if um i don't think that question is asked enough what if i were to make a difference it might be one percent difference it might be 100 percent difference but what if i didn't buy plastic what if i only bought sustainable products what if i wore waste plastic shorts or jackets what if i never bought any um any fleece tops again in my life which uh they're a contributor to the waste plastic problem so to ask what if you know when you wash a fleece top for uh for those that are looking at me strange down the camera um when you buy a fleece top and then you put it into your washing machine uh, that the fleece top is made from plastic uh new plastic and then as you wash it it goes down the plug hole um little fibers and particles and then it goes into our rivers and our oceans it's eaten by our fish and then you eat it we uh we eat those fish so essentially we're eating our own crap but that's the way that it goes so I would say, you know, just asking ourselves, what if I were to just live a different life? Just try that on for a week. Wow. Yeah. Outgo our fleeces. You're very inspirational, Toby. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. We were just saying you'd be the perfect dinner party guest because she's so fascinating. (laughs) No, I, I, yeah, I only get invited once. (laughs) (laughs) When are you, when are you going to talk to Boris? What's the date? Yes, it's it's November. I I don't have the date yet, but um, I'm I'm more excited because I've got the president of Azerbaijan coming over to to speak to me. So, and I don't know why I'm more excited about the president of Azerbaijan than Boris himself. So, um, wow, I'm (laughs) impressed that you can say Azerbaijan. (laughs) (laughs) Most people don't know where it is. (laughs) Um, It's been fascinating talking to you, Toby. Thank you ever so much. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. So that's it for the September edition of Pace of Mind. As ever, if you'd like to contact us or you have any suggestions or questions, um, please do contact us via usual channels on social media or our email. That's it for another episode. So it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. (laughs) Thanks, Abby, for doing it. And thanks again, Toby. Thanks for having me. See you soon.